Do you have any questions that you like to? Um, or anything that you like to clarify in your what you've been doing so far? Um, <clears throat> and those are the rest of you. You can just listen uh, as mindfully as you can. Just continue the formal practice in the same way. So it's not just kind of um, letting all your strengths go, right? Yes, if you speak quite loud, please. It's a technical question about the walk meditation. Um, you know when you taught us in the room? Do you have any? You know when you were teaching us in the room about the walk meditation? Yeah. You were saying to count between 15 and 25, and then go back. When you do the body scan or body sweeping, do you also count at the same time? Oh, good, you got this question, my goodness. I didn't ask you to count your step step for one hour. <laughs> I say you just count the, the the length of your pass is twenty five, ten, fifteen, twenty five steps. You know, one, two, three, four for an hour. Are you okay? <laughs> Gosh, I knew there were. It's good to ask questions, isn't it? So it's just like, do you understand now? It's the length of your pass will be 10, 15, 20, 25 steps. And then after that, you just walk with a, whatever mind state you have, whatever mind, yeah? And the same with the uh, sweeping this morning, yeah? What do you mean about what could be similar with the sweeping? What could be this? No, I was actually counting and sweeping, and I was like, wow, that's really tough. <laughs> wow, I'm glad I trust my intuition. <laughs> yeah, no, you can just relax now from now on. <laughs> you know, you can just um, just keep it simple, you know, just breathe through the air, enjoy the green of the grass, some, the, the sound of the birds and... Uh, and the airplane from Luton Airport. <laughs> okay, that clear? Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, when you're um, either meditating or any time during the day, if you're hearing voices, um, I feel like sometimes it's almost like um, I've sort of heard it and I'll be, I'm repeating it again. I don't know if that's... You've heard it before? What? I've heard something. And then I'm, it's all, I'm, I feel like I'm repeating it. Does that yeah. make sense? Is it, as if I've said, you know, say, for instance, um, how are you? It's almost like I missed it, but I'm saying it again. Is that... Don't worry. I mean, the mind has got lots of stuff going on, you know. Just don't believe any voices. That's the best way, you know. Any voices, just send a meta. Hello. <laughs> May you be well, you know. That's the way I deal with my voices when they kind of, you know. That's the only thing that works for, for me. Not just voices, but sometimes you have visions or things, you know, with meditation has a lot of, is a, is a creative space, you know. So just any meta, I, I just send meta to everything I, I see in here, and and usually they don't, nothing bother me, you know, it's like Anisha Dukanata, it's just, uh, yeah, don't, don't put any attention don't don't put any energy into these things, you know. 
just continue anicca, dukkha, anatta. This is just a practice, simple practice right now. For whatever you experience, whatever you feel, whatever you hear, whatever you see, just keep looking at it as it is. Don't get into, you know, what is this? Should I talk to them? Or should I? You will repeat yourself. You can, be, you can become obsessive. You can become anything, you know. The mind, don't pay attention to, to the way the mind manifests, except for really realizing, an ongoing realization that things are really anicca. So, yeah, somebody with their hand, yeah? Uh, is, it, uh, is it better to have one object on meditation, or is, is it okay to have more than one, sometimes at the same time? I, mean, I sometimes I have, usually I have three, sometimes four, mm-hmm. and if I try to remove one of them, then it's, it's better when they're all there, Right. What kind of meditation? Give me an example of the four meditation objects you have. Uh, there's the uh, breath, and um, then there's the movement of my abdomen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, well, it's it, it's tinnitus. I don't know. I don't think it's the same thing as the sound of silence, but it's tinnitus in mostly in my left ear, mm-hmm. but also in my right ear. I, it does help if I, if I, because uh, it is a continuous present uh, mm. sound, a very nice sound, but it's there, mm. got used to. I wouldn't call this meditation object, personally. They're just what's happening in the present moment. <clears throat> Do you understand? Meditation objects usually refers to, you take one object, like the breath, and you use this as the breath, and then you would, you know, through this, you just hear what's happening in the present moment. That's all that meditation can, you know, how a meditation can help you. It's almost like tying you down into the present moment. You understand? So the breath is always here and now. Okay, and then you can just be with that meditation object, just keep, keep, keep things simple, and then within that, um, you know, by using this meditation object, then you're also aware of other things happening in the present moment, like tinnitus or sound of silence. And then you can you're aware as you you know as I'm with my breath, I'm aware also of the movement of the body as it breathes breathes in and out. You know, so. It's, I wouldn't call it necessarily a meditation object. A meditation object is something you use specifically. It's like the, in the forefront, you could say, of the object that you're going to be observing as helping to be resting in a present moment. That's how usually how it's used. And the other thing that you are describing, it's more like uh, when I'm with the present moment, you know, then I'm aware of different things. You know, it doesn't have to be called meditation object. It's just the the thing that appear in your mind as you are present. So again, meditation object is something that helps you to be present. And for example, with the breath, if you have the breath as a meditation object, at first you can make it very kind of forward, like really the pre- the main thing you're observing. Okay. At the expense of the rest of your experiences, you just use the breath 
That's it. Okay, so that's called anapanasati. Then after a while, once your mind is really settled down, it becomes, it, it goes into the background a little bit. It's just behind, you know, it's just like right here to help you, to remind you that, oh, you've gone off somewhere else, you know, and then you come back to your meditation object. But you don't have to have this at the forefront of your of, of your uh, attention all the time. Yes, so forefront, in front of you, and then it goes a little bit in the background. So instead of being with just one object, like, you know, I'm focusing on this, you suddenly, from the object here, that keeps me in the present moment, doesn't it? And then I'll open the mind, you see? I open the mind, but I still see the microphone, you know, but then I'm, I'm, my my vision is broadened, so that's why you can hear the feel the movement of your belly, the sound of the the, the tinnitus, um, what whatever the three or four thing you mentioned. Is that clear? Helps you. Yes. Good. Yeah. I'm wondering if you've had any uh, specific meditation instructions for dealing with tension in the solar plexus. I think compared to like any other part of my body, it's something I, I struggle with and it kind of reverberates throughout. Yes. Mm. Tension in solar plexus. You're not the only one, I can tell you. So, <laughs> i got many friends in the same bag. You know, trying too hard to relieve the tension of the, in the solar plexus can actually add up to intense tension, you know what I mean? The main thing you can do with tension in a solar plexus is just to bring a gentle attention with a clear sense that you don't want to get rid of it necessarily. So the Vibhavatanha energy, you know, that so strong. Uh, you know, it's like the fear. Did I talk to you about how I was dealing with fear? Yeah? You try to get rid of fear, you try to do this, and you think you're not trying to get rid of fear because you think you know better than that. Okay? That you're just going to be mindful of fear, but actually you're trying to get rid of them. You're not conscious. You're doing everything to get rid of pain. I mean, I'm an expert on that, not just fear, but also, um, you know, tension, the plexus, and so on. At some point, you have to talk to yourself really kindly and say, it's okay. It's okay. You know, it's like, and then that feeling of it's okay, it's like you allow your body to feel what it feels. That makes sense? You allow your body to feel what it's feeling right now. Maybe it needs to feel these things, you understand? It's like maybe you need to release it, that's how you release things. A lot of things is, you know, everything is released by just consciously allowing to be. But, you know, if you have a kind of a sense that it should not be there, a sense that if I really practice meditation correctly, I should not have this kind of thing. Don't worry, I've seen the scenario in every form and shape that the mind can conjure up, you know. So metta is can be quite nice, you know, but not to get rid of anything, just to allow the body to feel what it needs to feel. And it's not easy. Yeah. Okay. Um, can I just clarify, um, 
on that understanding of concentration practice and vipassana. So the way I understand it that whatever you may use in your concentration practice, for example, um, mindfulness of breathing or vedana or you're observing the mind directly and thoughts arising and thoughts passing, in my understanding that all is concentration practice and it becomes vipassana practice when there is an element of investigation and inquiry so it's almost sort of more sort of almost more of a contemplation where you look at things much more closely and you try and see them fully and you look sort of behind them for a sort of deeper understanding of them do you want to redefine vipassana and concentration or no no i i'm just trying to see whether this is you know whether my understanding is right mm. well concentration usually <clears throat> concentration normally is really focusing on one object it could be your whole body one object that's how actually that's what we use as concentration you focus on you go like this you zoom in okay vipassana you zoom out okay it's like a camera you know in and out what people don't understand very often i've noticed um and i haven't spoken about that yet but your question in a way bring me bring it bring it to, to mind not many people seem to have a clear understanding of what is concentration and what is mindfulness even though in the in the meditation practice we need to have um, those factors of energy concentration and uh, mindfulness are present okay they can be present in a concentration practice or in the vipassana practice right but very often People think of concentration, or think, sorry, of mindfulness as a form of concentration. They're not really mindful. They're concentrating the mind. It's like the mind is, is you know, it might not be one object. It's like a mass of object, you know. Actually, mindfulness is like, that's my understanding. You don't have to believe anything I say. But mindfulness is. Hmm. I'm very a Chansumedo student, you know, so I have a bias a little bit. Um, I just love his mindfulness <laughs> work. It's like if I ask you, in fact, a Zen teacher says the same from way back, from seven centuries ago. <laughs> if I ask you now, you know where your foot is, don't you? So you're mindful of your foot right now. And you know what you are thinking, maybe. Right? You're not concentrating particularly, are you? But you focus suddenly, oh, she's asked me what my thoughts are. So you can turn your attention to it. And you say, yes, I know what I'm thinking. Yeah, maybe I don't know what I'm thinking. And now, I don't know, maybe I make a noise. You can hear it, can you? You don't even have to know where it is. You don't even have to look at it, do you? You know where it is <laughs> because I'm in front of you. <laughs> but if I did this, you, 
You know, if I did this, where's the bear? You know the, where the sand comes from, don't you? Nah? It's not from a truck or a car, it's from something else. You know, you can recognize, your mind can recognize the sound and knows. That's an aspect of mindfulness. So would you say then mindfulness is the same as Vipassana? Don't worry about Vipassana. Forget about Vipassana. Vipassana is just a word. Do you know, it's, it's like Vipassana and concentration are not separate from the other. Do you understand? It's not two things. You need both. All right? Vipassana has become a huge word in the Western world because, um, you know, some of my friends like Jack Cornfield, Joseph Goldstein, and Sharon Salzberg came back from Asia and started a movement called Vipassana. Do you understand? But Vipassana is just a name that people have given to meditation. But in, in the Buddhist teaching, you have, for example, the four foundations of mindfulness, okay? It's not called vipassana particularly, but it's the same thing. You call it mindfulness, you know. So Ajahn Shah would say, for example, people, you know, people asking such a question, similar question to yours, he would say, when you investigate mind and body, it's like lifting up a log. Just one person lifting the log it's quite a heavy log, but when you have two, it's easier. And he was referring to concentration and mindfulness. So vipassana, don't make it too much of it. You know that it's you don't find the vipassana word very much into the suttas, by the way. Okay, you find the mindfulness, you know, concentration, but vipassana, I don't find it very in many places. It's something we have known particularly in the Western world since Westerners came back from Asia and started a very useful movement called Vipassana tradition. So, you could say um, you need both. You know, it's not like it's separate. One is separate from the other. There is a kind of concentration that leads to, for example, the jhanas and the absorption. And there's a concentration that's linked together with mindfulness and effort and energy. Does that Mindfulness, effort, and energy for concentration. Mindfulness, effort, and energy for vipassana. Okay, and vipassana means, I'm not that bothered myself, vipassana means to see deeply. And you will see that the Buddha would say that when we have uh, insight practice, you know, that's vipassana, isn't it? Insight practice is being able to see the three characteristics, mainly, okay, and the Four Noble Truths. But vipassana, it's just like uh, people have used this word to uh, to kind of um, define it against concentration, you know. But the Burmese are even more clever. They called it a vipassana jhana. Ha ha ha! (laughs) You read this book, don't you? Vipassana jhana. They solve the problem for the Westerners, you know, so enough in enough. Call let's call it Vipassana Jhana and so be it, you know. <laughs> okay? Maybe we have a chance to talk more about it.
just call it exploration. That's much better. The whole thing, exploration. You're exploring. You are like an explorer of your mind body. Yeah. And well, okay, I'm just finished. Not quite finished. <laughs> and vipassana. People sometimes get mistaken and misled by the fact that very often vipassana points to the insight. Do you understand? So it's not like a movement. It's not like a style of meditation. It's a moment where you have a breakthrough. You see it clearly as it is. And it's simple to say, but it's another thing to actually experience it, you know. It's different. You understand? When you suddenly, you've seen a thought maybe for three years and you struggle with it, you know. And suddenly there's one moment you look at it, you look at it, it's still real for you. This this thought really bothers you. Makes your mind move, makes your body unwell, makes your emotions not feeling very happy. Just a thought, and it has a, that kind of power. And then at some point you see it as Dhamma. Oh, it's just a thought, that's just a thought. <laughs> free, I'm free with that thought at last. That's a vipassana practice. Do you understand? I've seen it. I'm always amazed, you know, there's insight, how they work. It's amazing. Simple things, you know. Because for a long, long time we don't see things and then suddenly you see it in perspective. You see, oh. Of course, the wonder of the mind is like, disappears straight away, you know. What was that? That's different, you know. <laughs> I saw it differently. Same with emotions, the same with feelings, it's the same with perception, it's the same with all the five candles, you know. When you suddenly can see something as it is, you know, but it's not as it is, like really vague, you know, what does it mean as it is? <laughs> Bring this together, guy living in next door, <laughs> next door, you know, any kind of country, little village, you say, well, I've just been sort of spending 10 days to see things as they are. <laughs> I think you think probably you're mad. <laughs> what does it mean, things as they are? <laughs> For some of you may know what it means, do you? No? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. We have a few minutes more, if you want to have... Is that enough? Yeah. This morning you differentiated between mindfulness and being absorbed in a mindful state. I wonder if you could elaborate a bit on that. Mindfulness and being absorbed in mindful states. Gosh, you know. <laughs> Are you British? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now I just wanted to make sure your accent. I can. I can actually understand. Maybe you know, just it's an English accent, so I can. I'm safe. <laughs> Being absorbed. Well, you don't. You got it wrong. When you absorb in mindful state, <laughs> you just off. You you just out of sync in the sense that you are in a way. Uh, the idea of doing uh, mindfulness is not absorption. Well, anyway, come and describe me your experience because it's kind of a bit vague what you're saying. Yeah, 
Yeah. But I didn't say being absorbed is a bad thing, you see, I tend not to sort of uh, speak like that, you know. But um I think I think I know what you mean, but I'm not hundred percent sure. What I was saying maybe is that sometime we yeah, sometime let me see, let's go slowly with that because it's a really important thing. Sometimes people think they are mindful when they are just absorbed, absorbed into the present moment and they're absorbed into something. They're not clear. They don't see things clearly. They're just in a bubble or, and they call it mindfulness. It's not absorption into concentration necessarily, but it's like you're just half asleep a little bit and you think you're mindful. Some people can do that. Many of us at some point have gone through that. So how does how is it when it happens to you? What do you feel? That's right, exactly. That's what you feel when you absorb in mindfulness, you sleep. <laughs> you see? <laughs> because mindfulness means waking up, you know. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what 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 is that, then what happened at that moment is that you are not truly mindful. I mean, you may be mindful. Maybe some you know, mind is more uh, you know subtle in a way. There's more nuances in the mind that we think. You know, so sometimes when you're a kind of mindful, or let's say a mood, for example, like tiredness, you know, or fatigue, or whatever, or sleepiness, you know. Sometimes you're not more, you know, you're mindful maybe at the beginning and then suddenly you just kind of become this sleepiness, you know, and you're just mindful of becoming sleepy and you're mindful of actually losing <laughs> your complete wakefulness, right? And that's when you sink, the mind just sink. Yeah? It, lo it loses its energy. So this is why with mindfulness is always good to have to, you know, many things help to stay mindful. For example, you can even ask question, what's happening now? That you wake the mind up. You have to wake the mind up. If you're not wake up, your mindfulness is not functioning. So things like some tradition have used the, the, the word, who am I? You know, it's like poking your consciousness almost. You poke it. It goes... You know, like that, and um, in this image, you know, I don't think it works like that quite. But it sort of just it deflates itself, you know, instead of being really bright. And so sometimes just asking the question, "What am I feeling right now?" It's a skillful means. What am I feeling? Okay, am I awake? You can just ask question. Probe. It's like probing the mind. Then you will know. If you're completely asleep and you can't even feel what you're feeling anymore, or if you can actually uh, know that I'm feeling heavy or light, you need to help the mind to stay woken up sometimes, yeah, when you absorb. So you don't need to make a big deal about it. You just have the feeling that you experience of absorption in mindfulness. If you absorb, you, know, you have to be aware that you're absorbing. That's mindfulness. Yeah? that you're absorbed into something. 
There's no mindfulness at that time. You just absorb and become something. You just need to see that you're becoming. Yeah, makes sense? Got a nice hat. Yeah. Well, I don't mind if you cover the head. Even the nuns can cover their head if they need it, you know, or monks also if they need it for health reason or for... You know, maybe you should close the window right above your head. Ask a tall person like this gentleman behind you might be able to cut the draft above yourself. <laughs> That's the first step, so let's see what happened now. Are you feeling better? Yes, except you're sick. There's a lot of exception in the Vinaya for sick people or mad. If you're sick, no, I'm not really real. If they are sick or if they are mad, there's a lot of exception for them. So I don't think you're mad, but you might be just your head is a little bit sensitive to the, you know. Well, it's an it's the intention that counts. You understand? I mean, if you are you feel is your head feels cold? Does your head feel cold? Can you put up for two minutes while you're going with the Buddha? Good. And I can't wait to see you with a lovely hat. I like it very much. <laughs> nice colors. It's a matter, you know, in the end, it's a matter of one's own choice. You know, it's like you just reflect. Okay, maybe if I don't put, keep my hat on, I will feel sick. Okay? But if you keep your hat on, you know, it's fine. If you don't keep your hat on for intention that are wise, you know, that's no problem. Monks and nuns, we have even, a, you know, an exception. We can go on Pindapat in the village and so on, you know, and if we are sick, we can have wear a hat on, receive alms food with a hat on. And when you bow to the Buddha, if you don't, if your body is okay, if you, you can, you know, uh, take your hat off, and if if you feel that if you take your hat off and you're going to get pneumonia, then you keep it on. <laughs> um, you said the other day, um, uh, walking you had fun with your mind. So you always had any fun. So have fun with your mind. It's just funness. There's nobody having fun. It's just funness coursing through you. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> you would like to have somebody having fun, eh? Yeah, but who's having fun? <laughs> I say it's just funness. <laughs> Do you understand? Who is having pleasure? It's just pleasure. The pleasure feeling. It's just a feeling that's pleasant. And then fun is more like, for me, what I was trying to express, is just to be a little playful with life, you know? To be a bit like, 
have fun in the sense of not being, you know, careless or it's more um, keep it light, you know, keep things light. You know, people walk on the grass, you know, you look at them, they, you know, I have to shake. I say, hey, just you're just walking. <laughs> what is this big deal about it? You're just walking like back and forth and enjoying, you know, right, left, leg, leg, left leg. You're looking at the grass, nice, you know, if you're a bit distracted, you want to look at that little kind of butterfly on down there. That's what I mean, you understand? It's like the wisdom of, um, you know, wisdom of <laughs> who's the Charlie Brown, you know. <laughs> it's just like, just being with the way it is. <laughs> it's just walking, 10, 20 steps. And it's kind of fun in the sense that who would want to wait walk twenty steps for an hour? <laughs> I mean, honestly, isn't it fun to do something as stupid as this? <laughs> Quote unquote, <laughs> it's not stupid. It's like what the mind thinks, you know. It's like, you know, we have many minds in a way, and my mind has many kind of stories, you know. So. And then you have the kind of general kind of meditator. I'm going to do like <laughs> going back and forth as if they were on a military camp, you know, ready to go to war. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a gun, but you can feel it's ready there. <laughs> if that step is not right, <laughs> I'll kill it. <laughs> Because you will never kill anything, I'm sure. But you, that's what I mean, fun. Just kind of lighten up a little bit, you know. You, you're just an ordinary human being, you know, who have decided to follow the Buddhist path. And the Buddha said 2,500 years ago, do walking meditation. Uh, you know, nobody invented this. That's just um, what the Buddha said. But really, walking meditation is just walking. And you can do walking meditation. I mean, how many of us remember the, the monks from Thailand, that Chetas, you know, Jananandu and the other monks who, not, some of them are not around anymore or not even alive. But, you know, suddenly you use, you can use wisdom. Is actually your, this is just an exercise, okay? An exercise in vipassana. <laughs> Seeing things as they are. It's an exercise. It's like you, you play your, um, what do you call that? Uh, eh? Scales, that's right every day, but you don't spend the rest of your life playing scales, do you? Oh, really boring. Imagine Tchaikovsky just, just doing you know, scales all day long, leaving us just scales. That wouldn't be really attractive. But the Buddha just kind of gave us an exercise to develop this transcendent awareness. You know. So Simple exercise is best for the mind that's going up to, you know, see things as they are from a transcendent level, in a way. You know, we transcend the view in terms of when you're mindful, you, you actually have a view from a non-deluded mind, do you understand? And then you can see delusion. You don't need to believe me, just test it out. So, um, you know, you, then you use your meditation practice to walk in meditation, to go to the shop, to cross the Amarawati, to go from one, uh, one office to another, 
you know it's just a mindful walking that's all you understand mindfully walking a lot of the time we just walk with our head not with our feet we keep thinking this this and that and that if you're not careful you fall so makes sense so me just having fun is just just being kind of just down to earth you know i'm not doing a big thing it's just like i'm cultivating more attentively the quality of mindfulness with a simple exercise this is why for me it's very important to talk about training you know, now I'm just more open to talk about training, not just opening up, opening up to the vastness of the universe and seeing angels and all the rest of it, which is fine. I don't have any problem with that. More the mystical aspect, you know, is a training. It's just exercise for developing the mind, cultivating the mind that can see through delusion. A training to develop the mind that can see clearly mind heart mind is like everything you know people say what is mind the mind if you really want to know what is mind is whatever you experience in the now is the mind everything you experience now is the mind and it changes right i'm going to say one more thing before we go for tea you know, you. I think I've already told you this, but maybe some of you haven't heard it. It's like when Ajahn Sumedho mentioned the body. The, the mind is not in the body. The body is in the mind. What? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> what effect? Can you somebody share what it does to them? I don't know if I understand because yeah. when I can, I have a way of understanding, but I'm not sure if this is what you mean. So my way of understanding, well, everything I experience is the only thing that is um, interesting. Mm. There's, there's nothing interesting. Uh, the, the body is in the mind because. Uh, the only thing that's interesting is what I am aware of. Is this how, how I should understand? Well, the word interesting is your take on it, you know. It's not, yeah. you know, it could be really miserable as well, yeah. and happy, and uh, whatever, you know. Is maybe what you mean interesting is something that that's a thing that I need to care for, to be attentive to. Eh? Is that what you mean? Anybody else want to share? Whether that, when when I said that, you know, quoting Ajahn Sumedho, what, how did that leave you? Hey? Yeah. And how did that leave you? That's right. So, did that change anything when you heard it? That's right, that's right. That's right, yeah. 
does expand enormously the awareness of the mind. But you don't have to absorb yourself into those few words. The mind is the body, body in the mind, you know. But it's an interesting take on it, you know. You don't have to believe it. But certainly for some people, it really, the penny drops suddenly, you know that what you experience doesn't have a, maybe a limit. It's it's in what you experience is now, so it's just what you see now, maybe. But the um, you know the actual chitta, you know, you you have a sense that you are in a little bag somewhere, you know. That that's kind of closed there. But maybe that's not the case, you know. And uh, in the you know, Ajahn Sumedha, remember, used to make the novices, you know, one year he made, made the novices when he had a new kind of reception room, which is now our nuns' common room. It was a really a big thing, a new, with a new carpet and everything. And then he had the novices, the female novices, kind of, he would have them look at the sky for an hour or two, you know, just uh, eyes open, sky gazing. It's like Dzogchen, you know, in the Tibetan tradition. So, why, you know, trying to get a sense that the, where is the mind? Just uh, the, the sense door, looking, the computer here, registering. You can't really find the mind, can you? Can you? Can you find the mind? If you find one, let me know. <laughs> Well, the experience of now is what you can see as a mind. Do you know what I mean? But I'm not trying to play tricks on you or to make you think that I know more than you do. You know, it's not that. But it's just like, ask yourself, you know, ask yourself, where is the mind? You know?